The Earth is ghetto, but you still gotta put those lashes on, sis, because the 18th episode of Ghostlight begins now. Elena, you don't even know how to put on eyelashes. And I, I know mean, this is a fact. okay, wait a second. So first of all, I was in the show, and then I had to learn to put the lashes on. Mm-hmm. And oh, I remember. Yes, Y'all, because Elena, you taught I me. It, <laughs> I taught her one day, and then the next day I walk in the dressing room, and it was like one of those days where you just make it at time. Like I usually like to be there early, but you know you have those days where you make it right at call time. So I run into the. Uh, dress room and a lady says look Mara, look look at my eye i have lashes on do I, they look good listen, look at my eye you couldn't tell me shit i said oh and like after that i was like okay i became aware of the fact that like it's not a proper beat unless lashes are included unless like yeah i didn't morale like, taught me that and the and the internet uh the makeup girls on the internet because i didn't know I... that I have been heavily considering, but it just costs too much damn money to get those individuals that stay on because without any makeup on and you just have those lashes on, you still look good. And like my face is actually trying to clear up for once in the past six months, I guess. And, and this is like the first time in the past, not nine months in the past nine months that my face has been been acting like it got some sense yeah. and just those lashes would be nice but they're expensive and i'm <laughs> listen just make sure if you get them that you don't get the one the super long thick ones that look like you're like your eyes turn into a fan now you know i wouldn't and you're you giving us a swift breeze <laughs> anyway enough of that tell the people who you are what's going on everybody my name is mara williams and i'm elena walton mm. I need a I need a song for myself and uh, welcome listen. to Ghostlight Illuminating Black Artists yeah. where we analyze plays written by black playwrights. Uh. This is uh by us for y'all for the culture. Yeah. Um Elena, how's your week been going? I we just had this like random attack on the Capitol and life you know, is in shambles. At the end of the day, uh my vice president elect Kamala Harris raised her right hand and said her things and is Uh in the White House, as well as President Joe Biden. As for the rest of the knuckle draggers, looking good. And you know- Bernie was looking good too. Was in those mittens. And you know, as far as- Comfort over fashion. That, as far as I'm concerned, the rest of the knuckle draggers who have an issue with it, you know, oh well, I don't care. Um, I've just been trying to stay close to home, um, keeping my head on a swivel when I'm out in these streets. Um, and you know, and that's, and that's it. Just taking a deep breath, taking it day by day. That's all you can do. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah. Same feeling, uh, feeling good this week. So yeah, let's go ahead and jump right in to, the morning announcements. Sing it's us down. time for the morning announcements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. Very nice. Shout out to um 
one of our listeners who hopped on Twitter and was like, and if Elena wants to throw in a tambourine, I'm here for it. Thank you, sis. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> when Mirage we needs to get out, on board. When the episode was late, because it, she sent me a DM and was like, it's okay. I didn't have a chance to buy my tambourine yet. Right. <laughs> I was like, it's like, I can wait. I can wait on an episode. I need to go get that tambourine. I, I was like, see? Oh, for goodness. You to get order. Listen. All right. So we have some pretty awesome things. Listen, let me tell you about a woman that is staying working. Okay. Listen. This is, we we on, just go slate alone, we have covered a play that this fabulous woman has written. Mm-hmm. We have given, I think, two shout outs up t- to this point because yeah. the coins keep coming, the bags keep coming. Listen. And now something else to announce for the girls. Dominique Maruso, her play Skeleton Crew is going to Broadway. Is, yes, it is, is headed to Broadway. It will be there in spring of 2022. Thank you so much for y'all not even thinking about announcing anything in 2021. Like, Black Post got sense. Okay. I love it. So I'm pretty sure she did not sign a contract nope. for the bottom to possibly fall out in 2021. And that's Thinking it. Ahead. We love to see it. Love it. So uh, Skeleton Crew is going to be produced by the Manhattan Theater Club, which I was really trying to get an internship at Manhattan Theater Club back when I was in grad school because they got some coin. Okay. So I know that they're going to put those coins into this production. At least you better. Um, and it'll be directed by Ruben, Ruben Santiago Hudson, um, who is an actor, you know, from directing Jenny and also The Quad, which was kind of popular when I was an undergrad. Listen, I so, did enjoy that can't show. Can't wait to see. Can't, oh, you saw it? Yeah, it, I love The Quad. It had like a big, huge promo. It went to all the HBCUs. So like there was like this big promo pub push. Mm-hmm. And so I got me a little quad box and like all the goodies that entail, but I never yes. watched it. So. No, I'm it was it good. Well. It was a good show. All right. Do you have any trash? Uh, no trash. Positivity. Um, yes. The queen, Debbie Allen, uh, finally getting her flowers, which are long overdue, which is, this whole thing is long overdue, in my opinion. Um, she will be one of the fabulous honorees at this year's Kennedy Honors. Um, it's If you don't know who Debbie Allen is, turn this off and go pick up a book. Um, I don't know right. what to say to you. Um, actor, director, choreographer, producer, just yes. all around queen diva extraordinaire. Just, yes. woo, they don't make all them like that. her anymore. Um, oh, they sure don't. It's just like, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I'm ready to tune in and just watch you know a number of talented artists come and just pour their love and respect on her um well overdue well deserved can't wait yes like you want fame (laughs) well fame costs and right here is where you start paying for it in sweat yeah okay (laughs) live for her Oh. Um, did you see, okay, Cardi B has an episode, Cardi, so Cardi B has this new fucking show that Lord is on Jesus. Facebook, because Facebook TV is like, I don't know, I hope they are paying Jada for, like, making Facebook television a thing, because listen, Red Table Talk, obviously. her and her entanglements, but, like, but go off. Okay, but <laughs> Cardi B has this new show called uh, Cardi Tries, or Cardi Tries, yeah, yeah, so she tries all these things, so she does, like, basketball, Lord. she does, like, uh, race car driving, even though the bitch can't drive, because she's from New York, <laughs> Oh, she's got this word where she does ballet and she is in class with Debbie Allen. Yo, and first of all, 
first of all, she shows up in the smallest tutu because you know her ass. You know, Cardi got that ass. Yes. And so her ass all out. But she got her, like, tights on. She got her big tutu, even though everybody, you know, was in rehearsal, so they were in a skirt. But it doesn't matter. I just... And Debbie goes like, have you ever done ballet before have you ever danced and she's like well i used to be a stripper very cardi oh. and she's like oh, okay and then you know cardi stays with the with the nail she stays with a claw mm. and debbie allen is like do you always keep your nails this long and, and if, you know cardi she's like yes <laughs> and she's like oh well we don't usually do that in ballet i simply <laughs> cannot but she's just like, like what are regal. you i just love it it's like what and are you I gonna do i would love to have that type of show like first of all that the show is great and Cardi it's very her personality so it was really fun to see like Cardi B and Debbie Allen yeah that dynamic what, with, with mm-hmm. Cardi yeah, it was so great I mean like, it's like if you're gonna get shaded in front of the whole world why not by Debbie Allen I would just I would just yes. I would take that with like I would be honored to say yes I in my lifetime yes. got shaded by Debbie Allen thanks and good night you couldn't tell me shit and I will never be upset about it ever and y'all can talk shit and I will just sit here and take it because I deserve that listen I live for it um all right well that's all I have if you're ready we can keep all it right. moving ding 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 all right y'all we are here for the meat and potatoes the why we are here Elena this was your week it was it was indeed my week um this week you guys we are discussing a play by the one and only the queen Lynn Nottage everybody give it give it up put your hands together um a little about this just icon of a playwright uh she is a playwright and a screenwriter um she re- is the first and remains the only woman to have won uh, the Pulitzer Prize for jo- drama twice. Uh, her plays have been produced widely in the United States and throughout the world. Um, she is the co-founder of the production company Market Road Films, whose most recent projects include The Notorious Mr. Bout and First to Fall, as well as Remote Control. Over the years, she's developed original projects for like, uh, you name it, HBO, Sydney entertainment showtime uh this is that and harpo she also is a writer and producer um any research engine you can just flip this name in listen uh but yeah (laughs) she was a a writer and producer on the netflix series she's gotta have it by you -hmm. know um another legend spike lee um uh, some of her other works include um, by the way, meet Vera Stark, Ruined, Intimate mm-hmm. Apparel, Fabulation, or the Reeducation of Undyne, Crumbs from the Table of Joy, Las, Me- Las Meninas, Mud, River, Stone, Pork Knockers, and Poof. Um, woo! Uh, she also uh, was the writer for the adaptation of Sue Munkin's novel, The Secret Life of Bees. Uh, she Ooh, also whoa. wrote the book for the musical MJ um, awards for days. I'm just going to name a few. Um, The MacArthur Genius Grant Fellowship, Steinberg Mimi Distinguished Playwright Award, Penn Laura Pell's Master Playwright Award, uh, Merit and Literature Award. And like, listen, I already told you she has two Pulitzer Prizes, one of which is for the play we are discussing today. Y'all give it up Mm -hmm. for the queen, Lynn Nottage. Yes. And so today we are discussing sweat. Um, you know, let's just get into it. Without further ado, let's get into our players. 
They are as follows. Evan, African-American, 40s. Jason, white American of German descent, 21 to 29. Chris, African-American, 21 to 29. Stan, white American of German descent in his 50s. Oscar, Colombian-American, 22 to 30. Tracy, white American of German descent, 45 to 53. Uh, Cynthia, African-American, 45 to 53. Jesse, Italian-American, 40s. Brucey, African-American in his 40s. All of these characters were born in Berks County, Pennsylvania. So quick question for you, Elena, before yes. you jump into it. All of the characters yes. that you just all of the characters, all the players, they were born in this city. Yes. Um and I was Okay, I'll just get... keep I'm just keeping that in mind for when we get to talking. Just want to reiterate. Yeah, exactly. So um before we even get into the um the plot or, you know, the summary. I just want to give y'all a little production history about this. So Sweat was first performed at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in 2015 um, before playing at the Arena Stage in Washington, D.C. that same year. And then uh, after previews, of course, uh, a year later, it um, premiered on Broadway um, at the Public Theater, November 3rd, 2016. Um, she wrote this play based off of a series of interviews that she took in Reading, Pennsylvania, um, during the height of the uh, recession, the economic recession uh, here in America, um, between 2000 and 2008, which you know is the time frame. George W. Listen, uh, which is the time phrase of the plot of her play. Um, so these characters are based off of real people, their lives, those conversations. So while this is a work of fiction, at the same time, it is someone's story. Um, so yeah, in, in some way, shape or form, it is someone's story. So let's keep that in mind. Um, so there's that. All right, so I'm gonna give y'all a quick uh, down and dirty summary so then we can get into it. So here we are. We're in Reading, Pennsylvania, Berks County, as I said before. Um, and right now, uh, we are, most of this story takes place in a bar. And the patrons of this bar, uh, the characters that I listed earlier, are all uh, employees of a local factory. And it is pretty much dealing with the day-to-day lives of these people up until um, it is be- has become clear that the powers that be who are in charge of this factory are starting to make cuts they're wanting uh these people who are you know let's rather let's just call it their laborers who are on their feet for 10 hours at a time they're wanting them to do the exact same amount of work for less almost damn near less than half of the pay and so now the people within this community are faced with the choice of hey do i want to continue to work in this factory where like you know generations upon generations of my family have worked sweat you know um lived and and died in this community working for this factory do i want to maintain that legacy or do i want to walk off from this job and you know put my fate in the hands of the union and walk the line and live off living uh union wages and so that is the the heart of this story there are a lot of other um subplots and things that go on but i feel like that is the heart of the plot and we'll get into some of those subplots as we um no doubt as we discuss this play um but yeah that's the the meat and potatoes of it. Mara, how are you feeling about this play? I I love this play. And I love this play for 
multiple reasons. One, I'm we're from the south, but that and a lot of the the cries of people that have worked in factories are from up north because a lot of factories are always up north. Detroit, uh, where this play takes place, all of those factories are up north. So during the time of the recession, like y'all, I'm not that old. I'm a baby, but during this time, like I was in elementary middle school mm. thinking oh, actually elementary school because oh, Obama got elected his first time my 8th grade year mm. and then I got to I was old enough no that can't be right and then I was old enough to vote the next 4 years yeah cuz then I would have went through high school mm-hmm. yep I, that is right yep. I knew I wasn't crazy you I know math you know I know it. my life story I cannot um, <laughs> but during that time like you hear especially you hear from adults how bad it is. You hear, but when you, you grow up and the only other president you had was Clinton, and that was, you know, I was born in 94, so that was, you know, getting towards the end. Um, so you hear how bad things are, and you have sympathy because you know that there are people living better than you are, especially when I was younger. But this just gives a new perspective to the struggles of the South when we are all being treated unfairly when the lower class, the working class are being treated like dirt. And then it's a complete parallel to what's happening right now. Listen. So here we are with, and and now that I am an adult and I'm aware, and people are saying this is just like then, and I'm like, you're exactly right. Because my memories as a child then are now coming back to um, my reality as an adult. And I think this is just a story of how history constantly repeats itself. Yeah. Unless we... Do the t- how literally history has repeated itself over and over again. A- the economy is going to repeat itself unless there is a solid radical change. Yeah. Um. So that's what I thought. Uh, but yes, in the, the story and the the fact that these were uh, very, even though it was the underlying story of a struggle, these were real characters and how and how they really felt about it. And everybody has a different feeling especially amongst the working class. There are some that are complicit. There are some that are more radical. There are some that are going to sit back and talk shit until some shit pop up and act like they wasn't there, which there's mm. somebody in this play that does that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I loved it. Lovely. Yay. I'm glad you did. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's let's get into this. Um, we're going to do a through line of action, y'all. Um, just because one thing I love about... Um, our playwright today is um, she's so skillful in the way she layers her storytelling. Um, even when you think you have a inkling or can make an inference about what's coming within this plot, it's always a left turn. Um, so yeah, I, I want to do a through line of action with this one just so um, we can do our best to, if you've never read this, whatever, um, you can just get an idea or a feel for just how gifted this playwright is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's uh, start at the top. So as when the show opens, we are presented with this young white man um, covered in uh, Nazi uh, alt-right tattoos. Um, uh, we um, He's sitting um, at a desk before this older black man, and we quickly figure out that their relationship is that of... Um, probation officer and um convict he just got out of prison um and you know they're having this hostile conversation he um has just he the stage directions describe him as he's just gotten beaten up he has a, a black eye um so we know that he's uh, been getting into it and the conversation between him and his uh probation officer confirms it 
And then all of a sudden, you know, light shift. And then the same probation officer is having a conversation with this young black man who also was just released uh, from prison. And, you know, number one, the con- the the energy behind the conversation um, is very different. You know, the handling of the two. But I feel like we're going to get into that. Bottom line is these young men have just been released from prison. We know that there is some kind of connection between them, but we're not sure yet. Uh, the fact that they are showing up on stage at the same time lets us know that there's some connection. And then after they have the conversation about with the probation officer, those individual conversations about their plans, how they're hoping to push forward, how they're hoping to make new choices better decisions hopefully and you know this second chance um that they have been given uh we the stage directions tell us that they um run into each other they see each other this black man and this white man covered like i said in alt-right tattoos and there's a moment of silence they embrace onto the next scene so i'm just gonna pause right there because that was a whole lot of information so mara how were you feeling at this point well, I it was so, I'm, I preface I've read this play before I, before we had to read it for the show, but just seeing that by, in itself it's, it's an intense moment. I can only think of being like an audience member, mm. and thinking like, oh shit, we're about to like start with violence in the first scene. <laughs> like this right. is this young man has already said a racial slur to his probation officer. Um, the probation officer is already threatened to send him back to jail. So I'm like, okay, what? So, and so you're just trying to figure out what's happening at the time. And then when it switches, um, he's really calm, cool, collected. So when it, I see them embrace and I see them see, there's like that moment where they're supposed to like see each other mm-hmm. across the street and, and connect. And you just don't know what's going to happen because right. a black person seeing a white person on the street with these all right tattoos and them catching eye contact like some shit is gonna hit the fan and it's gonna hit the fan fast so absolutely it makes you it it pushed me on i was like oh shit they hugged like let me just turn the page and so that was in 2008 because the the place switches back and forth yeah exactly i was gonna get into that in a second but real quick before we move on um the the black man and 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 white man um that we are discussing we um of course reading the script we know that this is um jason and Chris um right. however you know if I'm an if you're an audience member watching you you don't know who these people are um Jason's the white man Chris is the black man right uh, yeah y'all y'all keep it up yeah Jason is a white man Chris is a black man um and so with that being said like before we push forward how are you feeling about like there was a clear and distinct difference in the energy and the language that Evan um our probation officer Evan used Mm -hmm. um in conversation with jason um versus chris i mean we could default to the fact that we think it's just like this older black gentleman is having to sit in front of this little scrawny white boy with covered in you know covered in swat stickers but like but he also was he also you can see the difference between chris and jason's personality because like jason came in with this defiant nature Mm. right he came in not wanting to talk or answer evan's questions versus uh chris you can tell that chris does not have a problem with authority and chris is respectful to all people so it's very like who knowing that he just came out of prison you're almost you don't know yet and you're wondering why because he seems like he's 
ready for rehabilitation. It seems like he is happy to, not happy to be there, but he's more open to hope, hope, open and hopeful that the system is working in his favor. Um, so I think that that's the difference between the two. And I'm almost sure Jason just, depending on how old they are, which we, we said how old they are. So the age that they went in, they went into prison really young. Yeah. And maybe he had no way of knowing how to protect himself without joining these alt-right groups. And so it's interesting to see what may transpire once the play keeps going. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so, yeah. And I and we're going to come back to that, y'all, because, um, yeah, the circumstances of the through line of action um, speak to a lot about where we – because, yeah, the play opens in 2008. Um and then there are a lot of time jumps throughout and I'm, you know, going to guide y'all through those best I can. Um, but yeah, as we continue talking, I feel we're, we're most definitely going to return to this discussion of Jason and Chris. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm going to leave y'all with that pushing forward. Okay. Um, so next thing uh, we know, there's a time jump uh, back to 2000. So we've jumped back eight years. We are in this bar that is manned by Stan the Man. Now Stan, <laughs> while he is not the owner of this bar, he's pretty much the butcher baker and candlestick maker of this bar. Um, he is the bartender. <laughs> yes. He is the That's manager. Um, he is, and he's that, you know, typical like man behind a bar in a small town he is therapist he is you know referee like he's pretty much um he's he's pretty much almost like the the mayor of this town in a way because like he knows what's going on you know he's he's grown up in this community for years and he knows everybody and everybody um and also within this scene we get introduced to oscar um you know who is a I guess you could say just all around like bus boy um, who's of Colombian descent. And then also within this scene, we get introduced to Cynthia Tracy and Jesse. Um, so within this scene, we find out that it is Tracy's birthday party. You know, the, uh-huh. the ladies are, you know, getting, getting litty um, for her birthday. And, this is the first within this scene, the first rumblings that we hear of the fact that there are being some, there are some changes that are happening within their community. Factories are slowly, but surely starting to shut down one by one due to the fact that um, not necessarily shut down, but temporarily like closing because workers are walking off of their job and they're deciding to walk the union line um, because of the, you know, things like cuts are being made to their pay or, you know, work conditions are, you know, becoming, you know, less than suitable um, than they already were. Um, And uh, even Tracy, uh, not Tracy, excuse me, even Cynthia um, talks about, you know, her man, for lack of a better word, we aren't really clear on the relationship, but how her man has kind of just been off the job. (laughs) Right. I'm a whisperer. Right. Um, off the, you know, he's lost his job and like, it's clearly, you know, he has, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He has kind of disintegrated for lack of a better words into this kind of like shell of who he was. Um, so yeah, that's what this, um, within the party and the drinking and, you know, throwing it back, that is like the crux of the scene. So Marah. How are you, how, what are you thinking of these characters, these people, 
what's going on. I think on. that they, I think that is slowly but surely already showing their true colors. Like, and I think this is the fact that this is exposition and it's already so tense. Yeah. It, it tells us that we have a long way to go. The fact that this is just the very beginning, nothing has really happened, but we can already tell that there's so much backstory to where we're meeting these characters at the bar. So, well, let's, you know, we're here. So let's talk about it for a second. So as I said before, when I was giving y'all a brief summary of what's going down within the scene, um, like I told you all, uh, Cynthia talks about how her man or whatever, you know, was one of many people who had to, who uh, was made the choice because he wasn't forced. He made the choice um, to leave his job. Um, And she talks about, how the last time that she saw him um, was Christmas Eve and, you know, they were kicking it and they were drinking wine. And then, um, you know, she said they did the thing, they they did what people do when you drink wine. And the next morning he was gone and all the, the presents from under the tree <laughs> were missing. And then, you know, flash forward two weeks later, it's New Year's Eve and baby is, you know, downstairs in the kitchen digging around in the refrigerator like nothing ever happened. Um, mm-hmm. and After we, you done stole the baby's Christmas gifts listen, to go buy you some drugs. Listen, we later find out that the man that she's discussing is Brucey. Um, and Brucey is her ex-husband. Um, her baby father. Her baby's father. Her baby father. Um, and he also uh, shows up in this scene towards the end, um, trying to work his way back into her heart. Um, as the scene like kind of closes, we also can make the inference that since having walked off his job, that he's uh, fell into kind of... Um, fell into a life of, of addiction and so on, uh, which is suggested to us, like I said, by the way, that he like stole the presents under the tree. Um, I pulled over for this for a second, um, just because this was very significant. Um, I feel like this was a very significant moment because when we think about um, addiction and 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 people who are battling addiction and struggling with it i feel like the the they are not discussed as people um they are quickly villainized as if they didn't have a a life they, and they and, always see you know they always see the outcome but they have no idea what, what got the, you there exactly what the story the circumstances is. that you are the, they people always judge your choices but never know your options you know exactly and like you know we're thinking like think about this y'all we're talking about the year 2000 we're talking about y2k this man um who's in his 40s at this time um been working at the same jobs since like the late 1960s early 70s um, family's been working at family has been working at that job from generation upon generation um not does it doesn't necessarily quit his job but literally they kind of leave him with no choice due to the fact that they are they want to pay him less than half and while his union wages aren't much better um he you know he 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 leaves that job thinking that he's going to be uh there's going to that there is hope that he's going to be able to take some kind of a stand um him and his fellow workers you know thinking that they're going to you know take this stand or whatnot and then 
not being able, a black man not being able to provide for his family, not being able to. Um, After years of being able to. Years of being able to, you know, be the head of his household, you know, and bring home the bacon and be the the breadwinner. Because we, while his wife, Cynthia, was also working, we all know that black women make less than everybody. Um, so, you know, being right. the breadwinner of his house and, and all of that. Um and then being stripped down um, in such a way, all I'm saying is everybody, not everyone, especially, I feel like this is a significant conversation right now because due to the state of our country right now, I uh, read an article that talked about how there is such a spike um, in drug and alcohol addiction and like rehabs are now are seeing a spike in intake now more than ever. Um, so mm-hmm. I just felt like this was um, a conversation that needed to be had. Um, if you are finding that you are having healthier ways to cope and you're just doing your yoga and drinking your water and, you know, and, and you're fine and everything is good with you, then like kudos to you. That's great. But that don't always help anyways. Right. But what like, I'm saying is, go ahead. yeah, go no, ahead. I'm just saying like, let's extend no let's extend some grace is is drug abuse and 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 alcohol abuse the greatest way great are they the greatest coping mechanisms absolutely Absolutely not not. i'm not advocating for y'all to run out and score an eight ball but but. what i am saying is just extend some grace and extend Mm -hmm. some kindness to cost you nothing to be kind kindness is free and just you know consider your privilege and consider um how blessed you are that you were able to maintain your sanity and your and your mental awareness that um you know you were able to make better choices because most addicts if you talk to them they're not happy to be addicts and and i think it goes to show like (sighs) any circumstance that people are under whether it's um, drug and alcohol abuse, just uh, their situation, their um, their racism, their bigotry, any of the like quote, heavy air quotes bad things that pe- people look at p- other people for. This is just a a play that talks about isn't nature versus versus nurture. Like, is it? He wasn't the child of um, of a drug alcohol home, but. Um, but it happened because of all of these circumstances that he was under. It was an unfortunate reaction to all the bad circumstances he was under. And I think the question that is going to, that I'm going to ask, and then we can answer later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the question is nature versus nurture when it comes to drug and alcohol abuse, which I just answered then. And also is it nature versus nurture when it comes to racism? Here we and are. We're gonna keep, and I'm I'm playing the question now. Yes. Let's keep going. Right. Okay. So, um, <laughs> woo! the next major plot point um, within because you know we just went through two scenes of major exposition, um, and mm-hmm. the next major plot point within this play is that at the factory where uh, Tracy and Cynthia and Jesse where they work, there is a job opening. Their current boss, yes. um, he was fired. You know, we don't they we don't get a lot of clarity on why. Doesn't really matter, honestly. Um, but he's gone. And so now there is a job opening. And they're in this barn, they're discussing it with Stan, and you know, Tracy is just like, Well, you know, 
Tracy, this white woman, is like, well, you know, um, who knows what, you know, Joe Schmo, they're going to get off the streets, you know, stand over us now. And, you know, whoever they hire, it's not like things are going to get any better for us. I don't even know why we're even discussing this. And then Cynthia, right, Cynthia brings it to her attention. Well, no, sis, they're actually, you know, the higher ups are saying that they are even considering people who work the floor, you know, people like you and me for the first time ever. So. I'm thinking I might throw my hat in the ring and, and, and go for this job. I'm thinking this is really what I'm going to do. Um, like these people have been working at a factory standing on their feet for like 25 years. Listen, and you and this and uh, we'll get into it in a second. But anyway, so I'm, let me get through this context because I just mm-hmm, I can't. I no, you're fine. No, you're fine. I just woo. this. I'm, I'm excited. We're here. So. Yeah, Cynthia is like, yeah, girl, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to go for this job. And then, you know, Tracy, you're like, oh, well, mm, well, maybe I'll, I don't know. Maybe I'll consider it. Maybe I'll go for it as well. Mm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure. Yada, yada. Um, and then also at this point in the play, uh, because, you know, we're still, you know, back in the early 2000s. Uh, in walks in Jason and Chris. Y'all remember them from scene one who was sitting talking with their probation officer. And it is in this moment that we find out that Jason and Chris are the sons of Tracy and Cynthia, respectively. These mm-hmm. women have been... Remember she noted everybody that this is back in 2000. So this is uh, pre-prison, pre-tattoos. Exactly, exactly. And... um. We also get a real feel for the relationship between Cynthia and Tracy as well. These women are not just co-workers who kick it at the bar sometimes. They are best friends. They have been best friends for years. And uh, by way of their friendship, their sons are best friends and also work at the same factory as their moms. So this is legit a family affair. Um, And so, yeah, I think I'm going to leave it right there so Mariah what parts of this conversation like at this point in the plot were you like okay here's what I need to discuss like I know you got something so what's up I as much as I want to talk about like Cynthia Tracy they their their meat and potatoes is coming but the conversation between um Chris and Jason when Chris is talking about like actually doing something different with his life yes oh gosh yeah let's talk tell the people going to work at the at the factory so yeah give a little context everybody in this town their parents work the factory their parents parents work the factory their parents 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 work the factory so this is like and when you graduate you know you get a little pension but this is also a low income area so people that even though it's a good paying job, there's really not a lot of opportunity for people to move on. There's also not a lot of financial literacy. So this is, so Chris says, um, yeah, I'm thinking about actually going to college so that I can be a teacher. Yeah. He's saying he's going to like, yeah. So yeah, he's saying he's going to, let me just give y'all some clarity. I'm sorry, Mara. Go ahead. Uh, Chris's plan is to work that summer at the factory while going to school at night. And like using that money that he's that extra money, because I guess the summer is when they make the most money and they are going and and paying for school so that he can stop working at the factory once and for all. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Right. So everybody's like school. Like, why, why do you know how much school teachers make? Which we can have a conversation itself about how school teachers have never made enough money. Listen. (laughs) <laughs> this this play is not about that. They just mentioned that in one line because it's still the truth. Um, the teachers do not make enough money. And it talks about how 
Jason, I mean, Jason didn't have these ambitions. So Jason's mother also works at the factory. Tracy also works at the factory. Cynthia also works at the factory. But you can just see, like, um, Cynthia, you know, is the first person to say she's going to throw her hat in the ring. She also is supportive of his decision, Chris's decision, because it's it's tough to know that you're going to walk away from that that type of money, that pension that can come in. Um, there was talk of somebody that retired in the town that, you know, they called him cheap all the time, but now that he's retired, he, like, opened a bed and breakfast. Exactly. In, in the islands. Like, so there's, there are ways, but there's, like, one in a generation that actually come up and use that money correctly. So he wants to really make something of himself, and it's the the reaction that he got from his friend, the action reaction that he got from his father, um, it just goes to show what the what the the mentality is like yeah and and Mm -hmm. and to add to that to add to that um something i you know forgot to mention but luckily we were at a a perfect point to bring it up now um one of the major events that has like just happened if we're talking about like the story before the story is that uh another gentleman who's a close friend of of these uh this group of people um recently after having been out of work for so long, um, lost hope and set his house on fire. Yeah, it's got that insurance fraud. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's the... And they didn't even realize that it was insurance fraud, which exactly. I thought was, that was so funny Which I me. thought was hilarious. I, but... that, I was like, that is not... The... <laughs> That's not why he got arrested for it. And so, like, th- that that kind of the men, uh, mentality of the town and that kind of occurrence is, like, why I feel Jason and um, Tracy and Chris's father, Brucey, um, very much was like, you know how many people out here are wishing they had a job, a good-paying job, right. with benefits, right. like you, locked in? Because you're locked in. Um, It's kind of like... He's grandfathered into this. He, yeah, he's grandfathered into this job. He, if Tracy he says it while talking to Stan. You're not exactly a, you somebody to get up in here. Exactly. You don't have to worry. It's like if you are a, a descendant of a worker within this, uh, within a, within a factory, your future is guaranteed. You even don't even right. really have to think about what you're gonna do with your life. And so they're like, mm-hmm. the people around him are like, you got people out here setting their houses on fire. Because they don't know where their next, you know, loaf of bread is coming from. And you're choosing to walk away to go to school. Like, huh? It doesn't even seem logical. Right. In 2000. Right. We're not talking about a long time ago. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. We talked about August Wilson the week before. We were talking about in the year 2000. Listen. um, Sorry, but Mara, go ahead. I just wanted to, like... Throw no, that's that all in I have there. to say. Like, I just want to put that bug in, just because um, it's all going to lead up to my que- my this answering my question. So keep going. Um, Woo. Okay. So yeah, we're who just got dropping. The job, girl, who got the job? Okay. So yeah, we're just dropping nuggets along the way, y'all. So that happens. So then push forward to the next major plot point. Tracy is standing outside of the bar. We see her smoking a cigarette out back, and Oscar comes Shit. up to her. And he's like, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, pleasantries, pleasantries. Hey, can you do me a favor? Um, can you tell me about, you know, your job? Do you like it? You know, uh, 
uh, how do you feel about it? And so Trace is kind of looking at him like, you know, like, mm, I mean, it's okay. It's a job. But, you know, what you worried about my, why are you worried about my job though? And so Oscar produces a flyer to her that he says was posted at a local, um, you know, uh, Latinx community center, uh, for their very same factory, the factory where Tracy and the rest are employed, saying mm-hmm. that they are looking for new employees uh, to come in. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he's interested. And so he's trying to find out, you know, what's he like? Is it, do you think and this Trace would be a good upset. move for me? Yeah. And Trace Go ahead, is Mara. upset because she's like, because what's happening is. The, the factory, because they lost a lot of workers that were walking the union line, the factory is hiring undocumented workers, keeping them for about three months, making sure they don't get raided, kicking them out and bringing in some more. So it's the fir- perfect place, the Latinx Community Center is the perfect place to put up that type of signage. So she wants to get all snippy with Oscar, because Oscar's job right now is to wipe the tables and keep the gum from underneath the the motherfucking uh, tables because y'all so ignorant and can't keep shit clean. Right. That's his job. And he wants to make some more money. And I, like I said, um, the factory was, who the factory was picking up undocumented workers for a little while. But Elena, back, back when you told me all the players, you told me that everybody in this play was born where? Born right there in Reading, Pennsylvania, sis. Okay, so right that there. means that he's, a, he's an actual citizen. So I don't understand why you wanted to uh, pipe up your chest at this man. Like, he's part of the problem when he's just trying to put food on his motherfucking table just like everybody else. Exactly. Now, I'm going to leave it there because that was like strike number... What's that, strike number two with you, Tracy? And I think you hit three strikes and then you come back and get... Kick your, then I get to kick your ass again. So I'm just gonna leave it right there. Yeah, because you got another. We gonna say I was about to say we got Tracy. You got one coming. Y'all know every episode. There's always that one character who garners a swift cursing out and but like this one, spoiler I alert. Like I want to fight. It's gonna. I be, really want to fight. Usually I'm the one who wants to beat up the kid. You ready to fight, Barack? Yeah, oh, I, 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 I swing. I swing by Swing on one time for the one time. Because, yeah, let's pause, like, and uh, let's just uh, pull over real quick. Mariah already gave us the preamble, but, and and the reason that, you know, Mariah just went off on Tracy the way she did is because within this conversation between her and Oscar, this is when, you know, we really get the lowdown, lowdown on the ancestry and pride um, that the people of this town feel because Tracy then tells, you know, goes into this uh, monologue. Um, oh, y'all, I wish I could see me sweating. Keep going, Elena. Go on. You're ahead. sweating for sweat. Ah! You see what I did there? Keep going. You see what I did there? Um, I see. And so she goes into this monologue and she's like, pretty much like, how dare you even consider applying for a job um, where I work. Let me just, you know, bring you up on my lineage hailing from the Caucasus Mountains. My oh, great Germany of all places. Of Germany of all places. So like, woo. Um, my grandfather built this town. He used to carve little flowers for me into the two by fours of the buildings. And that is how I knew that he made that building just for me. I don't know why I'm making her sound like this. So you agree. So you agree with me when I tell you that immigrants are the backbone of America. What? 
Oh, girl. Um, so that's what you're saying. Well, you agree I, with me mm. when I say that immigrants are the backbone of America. Well, Mar- well, Marat, yeah, I mean, no, 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 no. That's what she's saying. But that is what you're saying. But it's white immigrants, you hypocritical Marat. ass bitch. But it's white immigrants, Marat. Like those are the only ones that matter no, no, no. and count. No, no, no. It's no. the Anglo-Saxons. My statement had a period at the end. The, oh. My statement had a period at the end. Well, so Tracy, you agree with me when I say that immigrants are the backbone of America? Question mark. It's a yes or no question, Tracy. No explanation. <laughs> I wish y'all could see. I know she ain't got nothing to say. I know she did. I, wish... I know. I'm... Elena was just fulfilling her lines of dash. Dash. Oh dash. my gosh. I can't. That's all. Oh, Lord. We, we coming back for you. We coming back for you again. So Lord, I'm gonna, have Unless you mercy. have something else to say because I got something. I got, I got something more for No, me. no. I was about to keep it pushing. So this conversation happens. Tracy um, is Jason's mama. Remember that, y'all. Yes. So, you know, th- this conversation happens where Tracy, you know, is showing up with all of her white audacity. And then to top it all off, the reason we we find out um, that the reason that she is standing outside with a whole ass attitude smoking the cigarette and like as Oscar brings up, like it's a party going on inside. Why aren't you inside with your friends? Mm-hmm. We find out that the party going on inside the bar is for it's Cynthia because, of, because we are got, celebrating our good sis getting this promotion. She got the job and Tracy simply cannot take. Um, right. So there's that. I'm gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave that there. I'm not even gonna. Cause you're mad. I'm, you're not, mad. I'm not even gonna go any further. So <laughs> that happens. I think that's where. Let me, make, let me turn my script. I'm gonna write spat. Okay, I'm gonna write spat. Yes, and so now we push forward. Um, to where things uh, if things weren't spicy enough, um, the next major plot point um within our story here is that. Everybody is in the bar, you know, with the the community watering hole, and they are outraged and upset. And the reason that they are outraged and upset is because Cynthia was recently tasked with delivering the bad news that they are indeed going to start making cuts to the wages of all of the employees. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Tracy, uh, excuse me, Cynthia talks about how she is sitting in these meetings and they, it's not a matter of discussion. They're telling her what it's going to be. And so she's trying to explain that, you know, to her, her friends and, and former, you know, coworkers for lack of better words, like, Hey, I'm an I'm I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm you know I'm literally the job is definitely not what I thought it was going to be. It's become clear to me, y'all. Like I thought that I was going to be able to take this position and make a difference and make our voices heard. That's the reason I applied for this job. But it's clear to me now that that's not what this is. But child, honey, and her and her people things, ain't trying to hear they it. They don't have no have sense. But here's the thing: one of the the three main things. That the people want mm-hmm. livable wages. That's it. And and they're fine with their wages. They don't want them to be cut. They want machines that work well. That, that won't are injure not going them. to be that won't injure them because Stan is in the reason Stan works his bar is because Stan was injured by a machine. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that they just really want is proper heating and cooling when they are on the work floor. Woo. And when they bring this up to her, they're like, you know, what happened with the heated and cooling? Cynthia's what happened with like, everything Look. you promised us? You said you were going to be able they to do asked this. Her, well, and this is when she first started. She's like, y'all, I don't even know if they're going to listen to my list. It is like, 
it is the fact that I have this on a list, the heating and cooling, the fact that you are humans working in like environments that don't have proper heating and cooling. I it's on my list, but honestly, I don't even think they're going to look at it. Right. And, and that is what she's trying to tell them before shit hits the fan. Exactly. And remember, this is a black woman in a position of power. They gave her a cozy office. Mm-hmm. They gave her a comfy chair. Indeed. They have her, you know, working late for the meetings because they're like, oh, you got to work late for the meeting. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, what are you, what is she actually what is she actually allowed to contribute exactly absolutely and the answer is absolutely nothing so nothing within this moment we see cynthia trying to explain this you know to her friends former colleagues what have you and then what we also find out in this moment because we told y'all we were going to bring that cussing out back around to tracy once again but what we are also finding out in this This moment hello um is that tracy like it has been the main one, the main mouth running, 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 getting everybody stirred up. The main person um, standing in such strong critique of Cynthia and how she quote unquote let everybody down. Um, how, you know, she's, oh, she's sitting in the big fancy office. She got her feet kicked up. She got her AC going. You know, she's sit, got a seat at the table and now she forgetting who she, you know, where she came from and you know, the stock she was made out of she hadn't forgot all about us y'all yada yada right. um right and so mariah i i see you you are bubbling over go any anything go ahead have at it so she running around town basically screaming that and this was a big thing that people were screaming around that time yeah um that the only reason that she got this job is because of affirmative action and let me tell y'all something like there are a lot of myths when it comes to affirmative action here we are let's but, talk about it um the biggest one is that it mostly benefits black people when actually the main benefactor of affirmative action was white women because in the workplace women already are considered a minority so they are a part of the minorities in affirmative action exactly i it, it and so when you talk to a when you're calling out a black woman for affirmative action like as a woman first of all she has the, the intersectionality of the, fact that, of the fact that she's black and a woman is right there. And then the fact that you supposed to be her friend. You're supposed to be her friend. I think that's what pisses me off. Because if she was just an ain't shit person. Yeah. And she was. in But it's you know, clear that they're all, close. All around. Yeah. yeah. If she was just like, here here come this ain't shit ass bitch walking around. And I expect ain't shitness from her because she ain't shit. Never going to be shit. Never will be shit. You that. know what I'm saying? But this is somebody that's supposed to be your ace boon coon. This is supposed to be your best friend. This is somebody that you have worked beside for 20 years. Has shared your secrets. Y'all sons are BFFs. Like y'all have re- y'all have babysat each other. Y'all have gotten drunk while the kids while the kids was in their diaper Laugh playing together, around. Laughed together, cried together, probably helped pay each other light shit. bill a couple of times. All that. Okay? Ain't ain't never seen one without the other. Ain't that. never seen one without the other. And for you to turn around and just like dish your homegirl like that. And I get it. Like you white and you German. So there is this still feeling of superiority, but like, I had hopes that you was you were the white woman that she trusted. And the betrayal of you to smile in her face, no matter what color you are, but especially being a white woman friends with a black woman, like, especially to smile in her face and then talk shit behind her back, like, you a dirty-ass dog. Like, and it's disgusting. And, you're, and jealousy is not cute. It's not cute. I understand the struggle that you are having in your life. I understand that, like there are you're you're living at this time where your wages are being cut and when money is tight and everybody got a nasty attitude when their money is tight uh, period like speaking for myself yeah speaking for the people i know like when money is tight you got a nasty ass attitude but that is never gives you the opportunity or the reason to fold on somebody that has been so tight with you and 
you dirty. You going around the streets talking about your girl and you dirty. And then screaming affirmative action when affirmative action mainly benefited white people, you extra dirty. Keep the, uh, that's all. She got one more coming. Uh, listen, um, I just, woo. So there's that, y'all. Like, pretty much, we, with this, this major plot point, aside from the fact that Tracy is a pile of shit, um, it's very important because. I like to think of it as the beginning of the end. Um, these rumblings that are coming about, you know, cutting wages, the very thing that, you know, Cynthia was hoping that she could um, uh, uh, change or prevent. Um, we're seeing that, you know, like I said, it's the beginning of the end. And which leads us to, so Jesse, who's like uh, the third uh, best friend within this friendship, you know, like we said before, um, at Tracy's party, it was Cynthia, Tracy and Jesse. Jesse, the third woman within this friendship. Um, it is her birthday and she is at the bar because um, that's, thing. that's their thing. Just like they were there for Tracy's birthday, the three of them, like, you know, birthdays, major holidays, whatever, it's all happening at Stan's bar. They're together. And so she's at the bar and she's there alone with her birthday cake and a, and a little shot of vodka. And Stan girls? is like, you know, where where your girls where is everybody and jesse explains like i don't even know if if they're gonna show up because what's happened y'all um is pretty much that pushback that cynthia received in the bar you know earlier as we discussed um it didn't just uh stay contained to the bar the workers of the factory they took that to the higher ups um and uh let them know like hell no we're not gonna we're not mm -hmm. gonna work for this and we spend 15 hours a day on our feet um uh, under like miserable like damn near unlivable working conditions like hell no we're not gonna be doing not just that amount of work but they also hinted at the fact that they wanted them to work right. longer hours for less pay um and they were just like absolutely not and they said, if you do not maintain our wages, we are prepared to walk. And so they said it with their chest. And the next morning when they, you know, arrived at the building ready to clock in, they found the doors were locked. And Cynthia was like standing behind that glass door, I imagine. She slaps a, slaps a list of names to the door. And that on that list are a list of people who have been laid off until further notice. So they haven't been fired, but they have been laid off. And it can be inferred that the uh, conditions of them returning to work is that they accept the mm -hmm. lower wages um, with no changes to any, you know, with no boxes being checked on their list of demands. Um, and you know, we already know that they are ready and willing to hire people um, such as Oscar, you know, uh, you know people, uh, marg another marginalized group of people who have just been waiting for their opportunity to get it, uh, to get in on a job like that. Um, because while that pay decrease it seems like a spit in the face to uh -huh. the current employees to people you know from marginalized communities like oscar that that pay is a blessing and so they're ready to step in and take those jobs um so that news has just been delivered and now we're in this bar and jesse's all alone um Mara 
how are you feeling so at this sad. point? It's so sad that she's alone. Cynthia does end up rushing in and coming coming back from work. She got caught up in a meeting. They have her working these hours that are different than her friends that are on the line now. But she... It's sad to see. I mean, I I don't have too, too much, but it's really sad to see. And, and you're starting to see the deterior, deterioration of the relationships among everybody in the community. I, I think the girls were kind of the, the ladies were kind of the, the, the nucleus of our story. But it shows that the ter- deterioration of their mentality, their friendship is starting to, it started, you, you see the cracks starting to spread across what's happening outside yeah. of this bar. So here we are, y'all. A significant amount of time has passed. Uh, Tracy, Jesse, the rest of their co-workers have been walking the union mm-hmm. line for quite a while. Um, their funds are running low. Um, Oscar and other, you know, the, the union workers are calling them scabs. Um, and pretty much what is happening on a daily basis is that Tracy, Jason, and Chris, um, as well as other workers, pretty much they stand outside of the factory every morning to protest, beat, and throw things at the at Oscar and others like him um, who are going into work uh, these jobs that they were mm-hmm. just laid off from. Um, and it is then that we hear these rumblings from this uh from jesse and chris they have this conversation of you know we've got to do something about this clearly beating their asses and holding up picket signs and everything else that's not enough we need to do something you know what are we gonna do it's up to us um this is also like fourth of july weekend um and there have been talks of people even like setting off like rockets and like people are getting right at this point we don't know what's gonna happen the cracks are getting wider and wider yeah tell them what happens (laughs) i'm just waiting yeah and like no no (laughs) yeah she's just waiting and i say all this to say um i i bring this up not necessarily because this is a major shifting point but just to throw some praise real quick um at lynn nottage's way um and her storytelling devices because you couldn't tell me that the next thing that was about to happen was that these two young men were gonna go because she already gave us that foreshadowing sort of kind of of the house being set on fire i was like lord jesus it's a fire they're going jason and chris this is why they went to jail here we are they're gonna go they're gonna set the they're gonna set the factory on fires fourth of july weekend they're gonna blame it on the fireworks and oh gosh but no swift left turn um and we're here at the climax of our story y'all how did we We get here we We looked it i'm here um we did that um we're here at the climax of our story y'all um everybody is in Mm -hmm. the bar as i said have been out of work for some time just got a job. Oscar Sorry, comes in, you know, comes quiet. in. No, you're fine. You're fine. Up until, up until. I'm excited. Yo, you're fine. Up until this point, um, it can be inferred that Oscar was maintaining his busboy position, kind of like now balancing these two jobs. He's working at the factory and he's also working, you know, maintaining his busboy job at uh, the bar. But he comes into the bar that day to uh get his last check because he his position at like we already said like 
like Mariah said, yes, they are moving people in and out, mm-hmm. undocumented workers in and out. But as our playwright told us, all of these characters were born and raised in this community. So Oscar is an American citizen and there's no reason for him to get moved, you know, get sifted out. And his position at the factory has mm-hmm. just been made permanent. So he's there to pick up his last check. Um Jason, all the major players are there. Jason is there. Chris is there. Tracy, who's now um, start, who's now side note, started to abuse drugs herself, blaming it on a back injury. Opioids, that's white people, non-existent. But we'll get to that. Opioids. We'll get that to that later on. Cynthia is there, and but. As Oscar walks in, Jason is already like at a 10. He's angry. He's talking about how everything is unfair. And upon seeing Oscar, that's when he just decides he can't take that shit no more. And he's just like, so where are you going? Oh, you think you're going to come up in here and wave, you know, your your new job in our face? Come in here, taking, you know, you you taking from us. I hope you know that, you know, that food that you're eating, you know, that's 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 uh, my money that's putting food on your table. Oh, you know, these these I like these jeans, these boots you got on. Yeah, that's my money paid for those boots and all of that. Like he's just going in on this man. Stan is trying to say no, no, no. Let's not do it. Let's not do it. But of course, woo! Anger gets the best of Jason. He swings on Oscar. Mm-hmm. They get to fighting. Chris is like, nah, ain't about to have it. He goes with the intention of trying to break up the fight. Oscar turns around, headbutts uh, Chris. Chris is like, oh, hell no, nah, you tried it. I'm about to beat your ass too, right along with my homeboy. Stan tries to break it up. Jason um somehow gets his hand on a bat, accidentally knocks the shit out of Stan. Stan cracks his head on the bar, slumps to the floor, and that's what kind of sucks the air out of the room and makes the fighting stop. Mariah is like, I wish y'all could see. I said, Mariah, I wish y'all could see her. She's like, like her her cup runneth, her cup I'm, runneth I'm over. Like, and then my water cup is empty, so I'm in here like, yes, that's exactly what happened. And I'm trying I can't. to drink and I ain't got And shit. so um yeah, that happens. Jason and Chris, there's this this strong moment of silence as described in the script, Jason and Chris book it out of the bar. Marah. I know that I'm, I'm going to hold on how my reactions, I want to hear your reaction to this moment. Out of every, with everything that has happened leading Mm. up to this point, seeing the cracks in, in the, in the surface, seeing the tension boil and, and begin to come to a head. I was not expecting this, you know, like I was, Sure, I was expecting them to, you know, be radical. Sure, I was expecting burning down a factory. Sure, I was expecting maybe a riot in the streets. But, like, this moment was so unexpected. It was especially... And I it it, it, it sucked the air out of me just reading it. So I know, like, watching it. I always try to imagine what the, mm-hmm. what the watcher would be as well. If they ever, you know, if the theaters ever open back again, up ever Lord. again. Um... But I think it, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's powerful. And it's, it's, it's a moment that you really weren't expecting to happen. Like if something happened to Stan, then maybe, I mean, not to Stan, to Oscar, to, then maybe then, but when it happened to Stan, he hits the ground. He's been this person that has been the center and, and the one person that ain't shit mm. the entire play, slumps to the ground, the guys run out, and then a blackout? Like, bitch, what'd you expect me to think? Like, like you know, I, I don't have the words because it, I wasn't right. expecting it. It was quite a piece. So then... Yeah, so... 
So we're back in 2008. So yeah, so everything that we just talked about other than the very first scene that opened the play is all happening within the year 2000. So right after that uh, climatic scene, we get the denouement. Um, Jumping back to 2008 um, and we see Chris come back into the bar and Jason is back in the bar and we can, you know, still covered in his alt-right tattoos. Um, They, you know, and that's when we find out um, that they were convicted of, you know, all the things we don't know yet a crime a crime um and that they have been in you know they've been in prison for the last eight years and this is their first time returning to the bar since the incident and then we go on to find out that uh, we see that oscar is behind the bar now so we see that he survived and that he has now taken on the role of Stan. And immediately when I see this, my heart drops because I'm like, oh my God, that means Stan did not make it. But eight years is not how much you prison time exactly, you get Exactly, exactly. So... And so that's what made me pause. But yeah, we soon find out, y'all, that sometimes there are fates worse than death um, because yeah. Stan emerges um, from the back room of the bar. Um, we find out that he suffered severe... Uh, brain damage due to the blow um, not only from the bat but from the intensity of which um, in which he hit the bar his head hit the bar Oscar has now not only taken over as caretaker and bartender manager but he's um, taken on the caretaking of Stan as well um, simply for the fact that he said when nobody gave me a chance when nobody would even bother to look my way Stan um, gave me a shot when nobody else would. And if it was not for him, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I owe that to him. Um, so that's yep. where we leave things. Um, everybody's just kind of in the bar at that point. Jason and Chris are having to stand there and take in the fullness of like the, the repercussions of their actions um, beyond just, beyond just going to prison and, that's where the playwright just kind of leaves us with this. We don't know. And, I, and it's, you could tell that it's early in the year. Cause that's also what exactly year. that was. So we don't know. Um, we know, but we don't know that it's on the cusp of change just for it to change back. And then we have to now change again. But like we, it's, it leaves this lingering question in the air of where these people are going to go has what what has happened to them now has some permanently defined their lives and especially for the for Chris and Jason like how are they going to continue in society like I really feel that Chris has the right head on his shoulders and I'm hoping that he actually fulfills his dreams and Jason I just I I'm not sure I think that he knows the error of his ways but sometimes with people especially so that it comes to my question now that we've learned about his stank ass mama Tracy like with Jason is this racism nature versus nurture like this is something that has his mom has come up even so you can only assume that even though that she was very close friends there's always been some sly sly um, conversation especially in private with with your child yeah. about their status n- next to a black person and and I think that Jason is a product of that even even though his best friend is black 
And this is why when people say they got a black friend, it doesn't matter. Even though like his co-conspirator in this heinous crime is black. Yeah, we was fighting together, but I would, that doesn't mean anything, you know? And it, it goes to show like, it reminds me of the quote in This Bitter Earth. Well, when it's talking about the stand-up bit, but it, I'm referencing This Bitter Earth, even though it talks about, uh, whose stand-up bit is it? Chris yeah. Rock. Talking about um, the hope for the future is, is, is that we start producing kinder white people. Like, you're around kind... And it, it, you can't just be, like, around a kinder person. You have to be around a kinder white people that are going to be a good yeah to be a good person be uh treat you the way that they want to be treated across the board no matter what and will jason get this lesson i mean optimistic he'll get all the tattoos removed and become a a great pillar of society the realist in me says he's his ass is headed back to jail pretty soon you thinking so you thinking he's not gonna make good choices no Mm -mm. i think i think that he constantly i think that he doesn't have the i and he lacks the ability to think for himself even in the bar at the climatic scene like he didn't necessarily like yeah he was talking shit but i don't think that he would have found it in him to take that swing had his mom not been there like turning his screws and yeah and pushing his buttons and and um instigating i want to i want to believe i even want to believe that like you alluded to earlier at the at the start of our discussion that Jason joined um you know that that all right group just gangs, simply these yeah, thugs the, these hoodlums these terrorists in- um while he was in prison simply for protection like at the time when Chris and Jason went to prison they were babies they were 18 yeah and um, i think Chris Fresh was out of high yeah school. Chris was a yeah like they they were they were children. Um, so, you know, the fact I am, and, and Jason is scrawny. Like the, 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 the playwright describes him as being this little scrawny, little, little piece of a white boy. And then like, I want to believe that the tattoos and all of that came from him just trying to stay safe and that mm-hmm. there is hope, um, that he can turn it around I completely and hear the fact you, Mara. That he's, from, he's I, a German descendant, so maybe you got you got into those. Um, yeah, you know. I just, I just want, especially with the love and compassion that he has for Chris, I really want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he isn't one of those who's just like, well, you know, Chris, you're different from the rest of them, and that's and, I, and that's what his love is, is rooted in. You would think so? I feel like that's oh, the, I, I feel like that's the case for Tracy, but I I don't know why I just. Maybe it's because I hate his ain't shit ass mama so much that I want to believe that, you know, there, there's hope for him to be better. That, that is the example of being a product of your environment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if especially if you're in a situation, you're in a town where no one gets out of that town, mm. you don't see better. So you don't know better. So you don't do better. You know what I'm saying? That's it. So if the... So if you're just surrounded by people telling you these negative things and you ain't been two blocks outside of your local Piggly Wiggly, that's what you're going to believe forever and ever, amen. And that's it. And these are also people that are from lower... St- these are working class people that do not have those luxuries, that do not have the luxury of probably a proper education, uh, definitely haven't been outside the four walls of their environment. At all. So they 
their view, their worldview is very tiny. It's very tiny. Um, and it comes with the privilege that you have. Like, everybody has privilege, right? Yeah. You can be, I don't have, I damn sure don't have white privilege, Um, but I am well-educated, you know what I'm saying? Right. I, I can read, I can form sentences, I have... I, I'm not money privileged right now, but some people, some people have the privilege of the coin. Some people have the privilege of resources, generational wealth, and all of that. Yeah, right. So it just it just goes to show that because of the environment and not having the ability to see the world as bigger than what it already is, the ability that Chris has, Jason is just not gonna make it. That. Um, so yeah, y'all. Um, I feel like this is the perfect place to close the hymnal, and I'm just gonna give y'all yeah. this this brief word, this brief but strong word, and then we're gonna keep it pushing. Um, you know, y'all. Um, a lot has happened. Um, a lot has happened since episode 17. We had the attack, um, on the Capitol by a band of terrorists. Uh, led by the lead terrorist who somehow found his way into our White House, but is gone now. Thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, And then we also have, you know, this this same uh, terrorist group um, continuing to make threats um, coming up to the in the days leading up to President Biden's inauguration and and Vice President Kamala Harris's um, inauguration. Five, count them, five people were arrested, one for impersonating a member of the press and four Mm -hmm. others for impersonating uh, Capitol Police because, you know, the inauguration takes place at the Capitol. Um, And y'all, I'm just um, shout out to shout out to the brother who who put on his cape who was a member of Capitol Police on the day of the of the riot um not even a riot I want to the attack on the Capitol and led uh that terrorist group and y'all notice how I keep saying terrorists um emphasis on the word terrorist um away and um away from um our senators and and every and government officials and got them to a place where they could be arrested but y'all, it could have easily went the other way. I am so happy mm-hmm. that that brother was there. Um, and shout out to Kamala Harris, who has now upgraded him. And um, he's no longer a Capitol policeman anymore. Um, he's now yes. a member of her. Yeah, he's a member of her personal like protection team now. Um, um, so, you know, shout out to well, black. Yes, yeah, shout I out to black to people looking it. out for other black people. Um, but it could have easily went the other way. It could have gone the way of it, the way that it did in our story, because Chris at the time, y'all, he was not uh, he was not involved. He was trying to get Jason to be quiet. He was trying to get him to calm down. Um, he did not go into that situation with the intent to cause hurt or harm. But because um, he was mm-hmm. out here inserting himself um, in, in, you know, uh, racist white people mess, his life then took a turn for the worse. Um, and we can hope that he had an opportunity to rebuild, but we know how America works. We know how this country treats people, you know, treat, uh, treats people who are, you know, find themselves within the system like Chris. And more specifically, we know how this country treats black people who find themselves trapped within the system like Chris. And I'm here to tell y'all this. Listen, this is not 
our fight. Let's stay, stay the, the same thing that I've heard a lot of um, podcasters and bloggers and people that I admire at the start of the coronavirus was like, black people specifically, stay your ass in the house because when they do come up with a solution, you better believe that we're going to be the last ones in line that they are trying to help or dish that solution out. And I'm here to tell y'all the same thing with this. One of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, Tamika Mallory, said it best. She went on Twitter and she said, I don't want y'all to say a goddamn word. This is not our fight. This is not us. When they, Because we all know that if we, all we did was take a seat. We took a seat on the like perimeter of the White House and we saw what they did. The tanks came, the, the, the tear gas was here, the rubber bullets here. One of my friends, someone that I know personally, lost his brother during a Black Lives Matter march and, and, and demonstration last summer. And they didn't give a fuck. And they didn't give a fuck. They were out here killing us left and right. And we know that if it would have been us, we didn't wouldn't even, let alone try to grace the, the doorway of the Capitol building. If we would have right. just as much as taken a stand in front of the Capitol building, what, what would have happened? Yes, this is despicable. Yes, it was despicable. The way they continue to talk about now President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris despicable awful Mm -hmm. but let me tell y'all this is not on us let the white people take care of the ain't shit white people do not go out here laying down your life we have given them enough we built them a whole ass country stay your ass in the house keep focus on keeping yourself happy healthy and whole as we ride out now three mutations of the coronavirus yes focus on you keep it together light your candle do your yoga drink your water you know, get in your prayer closet, whatever it is you do that keeps you centered. And let's just sit mm-hmm. back and watch them eat each other. And, you know, hope um, that we come out of this, you know, almost like in all of those um, um, end of the world type movies where like they open up yeah we oh we oh they open up the door from you know the bunker from where everybody's been hiding and that light comes flooding in and we push forward and try to make Mm -hmm. a better future for ourselves this shit here is no different keep yourself covered keep yourself protected and that's all i got i love it let's go ahead i don't have nothing else to say but that let's go ahead and move on Ding, ding, ding. Yo. All right. So, hey, y'all. Hey, Elena. What's going on, girl? So, I just finished reading this this her play, uh, Sweat by Lynn Nottage. Yes, you did. And I heard through the grapevine, you know, the internet, the streets be talking. I heard through the streets that you were involved in this production. Like, that you, your check was on this way. Yes. The news outlets have are giving you your things. Mm. You, it has already been typed up on your resume and printed out. Uh, and what uh, capacity are you involved with Sweat by Lynn Nottage in your world? I am producing this play in a perfect world. I am uh, being billed as the producer of this. I'm writing the checks. I'm doing the hiring and firing. Um, and I'm taking my position so seriously because 
um, as much as I would love to say that I would um, be I an actor. I want you to do Cynthia. Yeah, as much as I would love to do that, I feel like um, I have the awareness about myself to know that I have many miles before I sleep, um, before I step into a role like that. I feel like the roles of these women, Cynthia and Tracy, Jesse, you know, respectively, um, you got to have that life experience and real world knowledge under your belt um, mm. before you can step into a role like that. So one day, but if we're talking about right here in the near future, producer, because this story is so delicate and so important, um, the way it's, it's the, it, I mean, we see it's there in black and white, why it won the Pulitzer. Um, right. This play was written like five or six years ago about a, a, a series of events that took place over 20 years ago and it still is here standing on its feet in 2021 um i want to make sure that the right people are in place to make sure that this story gets all of the respect that it deserves um and that this playwright um gets you know all of the respect that she deserves for just giving us this beautiful piece so yeah yeah i I love that I love that. Yeah. All right. Here we are. Give us another ding and we can wrap it on up. Ding, ding, ding. A variation <laughs> of the dings. I'm here for it. We are going to have to get some music clips in this bitch. Like, Why? I like Elena, us. Elena, stop fighting me on this. I like Let's, us. Yes. <laughs> we need to get it behind a microphone and we need to like do up these dings all right so this is letters to a young queen where one of us assigns the other person a letter or monologue to their past or future self remember that you can always write a letter of your own to your past or future self and send it to us at ghostlight.scripts.com at gmail.com and we may read it aloud on the show this week elena i tasked you with writing a letter and slash or a monologue for where you were in the present so wherever you were when you were writing the letter is where i wanted is what i wanted to hear so it could have been any time throughout this time so elena it's all you okay so yeah i chose to write a letter and um i'm just gonna read it uh dear queen you are doing the best that you can remember that you are only human as much as you like to put on your cape for you know any and everybody you are only flesh blood and blown uh flesh blood and bones sis you wake up every day you put your best foot forward and the only thing that you can ask of yourself is that when you lay down and go to sleep that you made the most of your time and of your day keep pushing keep drinking your water you got it with all the love you um i love that because sometimes you need as many as much as you have people around you saying like keep going you can do it you can do it sometimes you hear all that noise but you don't hear it for yourself so it's really good to hear in your own voice like hey i see you person in the mirror and i respect your hustle and i am telling you i know shit is hitting the fan and it's hitting the fan fast but if you just keep on keeping on you know yeah y'all and i'm and i just want to take a moment to extend that to y'all like 
I know times is tough. I know we're trying to mm-hmm. see what this third stimulus is going to look like. Um, a girl, you know, I haven't even got my federal refund check, so I've gotten no stimulus. God bless it. And there you go. If Some anybody of- listens to this, has any idea how to get somebody from the IRS on the phone and know pressing the number and waiting. And the, I've tried it. They keep hanging up in my face. Listen, so whether you're waiting on that third stimulus or whether you like Mariah, you're just waiting for the girls to just give you something because they've given you nothing. Just yes. know that even on those days where you maybe don't check every box on your to-do list, you did the best that you could. Be gentle with yourself. Be kind to yourself. And I'm saying this to y'all as well as to me because I need to do better about, I'm, I am making strides toward doing better about practicing what I preach. But it's like, we're going to be all right, y'all. It's going to be okay. Um, keep your head up. Um, keep your hopes high. <sighs> and let's just flow through it, breathe through it, and, and do what we can to get through this together. Woo! Um, Mariah, um, where can they find you if they want to find you, girl? Um, I am invisible. You know I don't what? Want to be I'm sick of this. I'm just kidding, you guys. <laughs> um, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mariah.Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Mariah on, underscore Twitter. Williams. You can find me on the Club of the Houses on Clubhouse at Mariah.Williams. You can find me on TikTok at Mariah. I think that not, was underscore. Not TikTok. It ain't too many Mariahs on the internet, so one of them's going to be me. I it's cannot. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me at It's Elena Walton. That's at I-T-S-E-L-A-I-N-A-W-A-L-T-O to the N. That's um all social media handles, Instagram, Twitter, and and clubhouses. I let Marah badger me into getting she clubhouses. She acting like an old lady, y'all. Whatever. I be on club. I'm on clubhouse now, so y'all ain't gonna get me too much. But yes, it's at It's Elena Walton. If you want to keep up with Ghostlight, all things Ghostlight, what's going on with the show, follow us on Instagram at Ghostlight underscore podcast, or uh-huh. you can follow us on um Facebook, facebook.com slash ghostlight podcast. You want to send us your comments, questions, concerns, tell us you love letter us. Letter to a young queen or king. A letter to a young queen or king. You know, like Mariah told you, write us, ghostlight.scripts at gmail.com. Mariah, give us your thank yous. Uh, as always, thank you to Bo King for our opening music. And thank you, Ed Junior, the new ruler, for making us sound all cute and shit and highly moisturized and all yes. that. Yes. All righty. Peace, y'all. Bye.